welcome to Blue Royalty, a special episode of Blue Royalty, uh, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Park Humphreys, joined by Abdullah for a April mailbag in celebration of our 50th episode. Uh, Abdullah, this is a bit of a cheat celebration. I feel like, I don't know if you know this, but in England, formerly the Queen, now the King, has two birthdays. Like her real birthday, or his real birthday as it now is, and then uh, like national birthday. And I feel like that's what we've done here because we did episodes before on a different channel. But today is our 50th episode. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that the king slash queen had two birthdays. That's that's news to me. So that's that's you used to learn something new every day. That's always good. And yeah, no, fair enough. I feel like when I heard that we were doing this is our 50th, I was like, no way. We've done way more than 50. Now wait, hold on. Is it just for Blue Royalty? Yeah, it's just for Blue Royalty. I was like, there's no way we've done just 50. I mean, if we've only done 50 now, I don't know what we've been doing for, for the last year and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a cheat, but, you know, still something to celebrate because we have our own little channel. It's nice to be yep. in our, our separate house, as it were, from the London is Blue guys. So... Good to be building up our, our episode list, I guess. It's like it's like career appearances and then like club appearances. So this is the club appearances versus the career <laughs> yes. appearances. There you go. Yes. Yeah, we made the transfer to <laughs> Blue trans- Royalty. Exactly. Specifically at the start of this season. Um, even though we have London is Blue appearances under our belt. <laughs> exactly. Um, there you go. <laughs> I love that. That's a much better analogy than me saying it's like the king's fake birthdays hey, i learned something <laughs> i learned something today so that that's, that's what, it's still good um so yeah obviously it's the international break which is why we want to do a mailbag because there's not much chelsea stuff to talk about there is chelsea stuff obviously to talk about from performances within the international break we are going to come and do a aston villa fa cup semi-final preview for you later in the week so we will talk specifically about the international break then because it's going to feed a lot into i think uh, who's getting picked who's available etc etc so today we're just going to be having some fun you guys have sent us in a load of really cool questions there's some football related stuff there's some more general chelsea stuff um i feel like because we're celebrating our 50th episode we should kick off with at underscore treacherous underscore 13 going with the question what is the favorite what is your favourite episode you've recorded and why? Also, if you could do an episode with one player, who would it be? Okay, so favourite episode for me is definitely that number 10 analysis. I'm biased because it was an analysis. It was your idea. It was my idea. <laughs> Fine, it was my idea. I really liked it. I was really proud of it. And I was like, I, I, I really like this episode. So I'm going to pick that one for selfish reasons. Um, and if I could do an episode with one player, who would it be? Oh such a tough question i'm assuming chelsea player right like not just any player in the world because then it just becomes 10 yeah times obviously it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a blue royalty yes thing. i guess you could have any anyone a player who would be relevant to coming relevant to chelsea royalty. yeah fair enough uh so you could have a past player but fine i actually think i would want to talk to i want to talk to sam kerr I'll talk to Sam. I'll just have some bit of banter in there, have a bit of banter in there, and then also ask some serious tactical questions about her running and her playing up front. And I'm pretty sure she'd just have a laugh in both. So it would just be fun doing that. So, And I've already spoken to an Aussie before in Joe Montemuro, and he's a lot of fun to talk to. So I'm assuming Sam's going to be just 10 times better. So I'm going to go with Sam. 
Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I would definitely go with with Sam, probably. Um, I've interviewed her before, and she's just a very, very lovely, clever person, which I think is really all you want from, from an interviewer. Uh, if I was going to do an episode with a player who wasn't Sam, I feel like... Magda is a is a player who would be really interesting to talk to in terms of one I think one we'd finally get all the gossip um, but <laughs> yeah. gossip aside uh, let's pretend that the whole situation isn't happening gossip aside I think you know she's obviously someone who's been at the club for a really long time she's kind of seen the evolution of the club um I think it'd be really interesting to talk to her about that and she's a very footballing brain you know I think she thinks a lot about how she plays, how teams set up. So I think, you know, everyone knows you and me love the kind of tactical side. So I feel like Magda would be a really good option there. Uh, in terms of favourite episode I've ever recorded, I am going to go with a Sam Kerr episode. Um, when I spoke to Samantha Lewis uh, about the piece she wrote about every single goal Sam Kerr had ever scored. I had so much fun. To, like, I just laughed so much that entire episode. I believe it's the only episode that Emma Hayes has ever liked on Twitter. Uh, so I don't know wow. if she listened to it or if she just liked that we were putting out Sam Kerr prop. Uh, that is pretty much what we do every week. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to that one, that's that's fun as well because it's um, it's kind of like an evergreen episode. You know, it's obviously not really gone out of date. Sam Kerr still scores a lot of goals and it was really interesting to talk to the other Sam who wrote the article about... The earlier bits of Sam's career, uh, you know, her time in Australia, coming to the fore, her time in America as well, um, in New York, in Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, all of that was really, really interesting. Very nice. Okay, so from Megan at PGH underscore Megan underscore 10. So it's so kind of two part, two questions in one. So first would be, what player profile would you most like to do and why, i.e. what would you like to know that they previously have not stated in, in social media? And kind of the second question is, what is your what is your most fuck it that this is Chelsea performance? <laughs> um, okay, I guess question one similar to a bit what we answered already. So, but in terms of maybe focusing on that second part, what would you like to know that they probably have not stated in media slash socials? I guess someone who would be really interesting to talk to in that sense would maybe be Jessie Fleming, because she's not very social media. Do you know what I mean? Like we see. Yeah. So Chira and Sam and Erin, like you get a pretty good sense of their personalities. And I feel like because Jesse's kind of more private, I'd be really interested to like get some proper time with her. Um, I interviewed her once before and she felt like quite shy, but it was she'd not been at Chelsea long. And I think she'd be a bit more open now. I know people who've spoken to her said she's, like, really, really nice. Um, in terms of our most fuck it, this is Chelsea performance, I always go back to the Atletico Madrid game uh, in the Champions League in 2020-21 when Sophie Ingle got sent off super early on AKB saved a penalty. Marielda scored a penalty. It was like a truly dire performance. Played most of the game with 10 players. Um, it was during COVID, I think, so no one was there as well. Like, I was at the ground, but it was really eerie because it was super quiet. Um, and it was just truly one of those ones where you're like, we did not... 
It was like, we didn't deserve to win the game, but we also did deserve to win the game because we were better and, like, our players, you know, won the penalty, saved the penalties. But, yeah, just the whole thing was like, this is so, so Chelsea. Yeah, I... I that's, yeah, that's, I, I just, I'm remembering that game, though. That was such a mad game. It was like everything happened but didn't happen at the same time. Oh, that's crazy. Everyone always talks about the Wolfsburg and Bayern games in that no, run to the Champions League final, anyway, but yeah. that was the crazy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the one which started the whole run. Yeah, exactly. Because they could have just gotten out to those two penalties that they one they missed and one then AKV saved. Like It, could, it wouldn't very easily gone south over there. Oh, I think if, I go, if I'm going to go with a similar theme, then... I might have to just say that Lyon second leg that you just played, two 0 down. You're, you're I mean, two one yeah. down. You're gonna. You're literally going to lose the game, and then penalty, and then just go to penalties, and then AKB saves penalties, and then suddenly Lyon going from we're gonna win, we're just we're just gonna do our thing. To Chelsea just going, it's not been great, but you know we'll win a penalty. We'll take it to pens, and then we'll just win it in pens. So I think I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, that's definitely fair enough. That was. In that will that perform like no one will ever ever forget that game. Yeah, that not... I feel like I'm. It's too close that I'm like I can't <laughs> see it in the pantheon of Chelsea games, but it will go down as like one of the craziest ever. Um, next up, one from Harry Edwards here, going from a very recent game to going a bit further back. Can you remember the first Chelsea woman game you watched? Slash, what got you into the team? Oh my god, this is a this is a throwback. I gotta I gotta think now because. My first exposure to women's football was the Women's World Cup in 2019, really. Um, but if I really have to dig deep, uh, I don't actually remember the specific game, but it has to be the 1920 season. Uh, I think after I started watching the World Cup, I think it would have just been, you know, naturally I was like, well, I'm going to pick a couple of teams and I'm going to start watching them. And just by the virtue of the fact that I support the Chelsea men's team, I was like, well, I'm going to watch the Chelsea women's team. And it probably would have been like a Chelsea-Arsenal or a Chelsea-City game, just because it was the big game and I didn't know anyone or anyone at the time. So I think it would have been Chelsea-City and Chelsea-Arsenal Chelsea, Chelsea Arsenal would have been one of my first games. But what got me into the team was the sheer fact that I think I watched the Women's World Cup and I saw, and I had a relative idea who played for Chelsea. So I was like, oh, okay, you play for you play for. For this for Chelsea, and then I think it might have been like Nielda, it might have been um, you know Magda Eriksson and 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 G and all these players at the time who who played um, Frank Kirby for England as well. So it would have been all these players who played, and so for me, I was like, okay, maybe I need to start watching the club scene a little bit more. And then here we are today. Here we are. Yeah. Um, my, I mean, obviously, yeah, I've always been a Chelsea fan. Um, I've always watched women's football, um, so I, I went to women's football games as a kid um, quite a bit, but not really Chelsea, obviously, at the time, um, Charlton, my local team, so they were the team I watched when I was younger, and then I think the first Chelsea women's game I ever went to in person, at least, would have been the 2015 FA Cup final against Notts County, um, and then... After that, I at the time I was at uni in Oxford, but after that I moved back to London. And about the same time, I was living in Clapham. Chelsea moved to Kings Meadow, and so that must have been like around twenty seventeen or so. I started going to Kings Meadow, uh, quite a bit. Um, and obviously everything just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I kind of got into covering. Yeah, I've always watched women's football. I kind of got into covering it like. 
just purely by accident, really, after I wrote my master's dissertation about women's football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, as a Chelsea fan, it always was was a natural fit. I mean, I sometimes I wonder, like, if Charlton men hadn't got relegated and the Charlton women's team had stayed good, would I be, like, one of those people who support a different men's and women's team? Because, yeah, as a kid, like, I was, I was just a Charlton women's fan, um, which mainly involved watching them get thrashed by Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Um, so I, I've always hated Arsenal women. That's like basically the my purest <laughs> distillation of, of being a women's football fan. Um, but yeah, so I guess 2015 will be, would be when I really, really got into it. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Okay, I didn't even know you did your master's. That's an, another interesting tidbit. I'm, I'm, learning <laughs> go, a lot yeah. of, I'm learning a lot of things today. <laughs> um, so a question from Neom at Kivra. What's your personal tr- favorite trophy that Chelsea women have has won and why? My personal favorite I think is I'm torn. I think that first FA Cup was really cool. Um and I that was but for me I think there was a sense of not that I didn't get it and not that I didn't get what it meant, but obviously you feel differently when you're kind of watching a club week in, week out compared to kind of just following them from afar and getting into them for the first time. And I think probably the... I'm torn. We've won so many trophies. The first ever Continental Cup we won, I loved because it was really dramatic. We never... It t- took us so long to win it. But I also loved the 2018-19 FA Cup. Um, when Frank Kirby and Ramona Backman destroyed Arsenal. But I would probably have to plump for the, the 3-0 against Arsenal Wembley, just because I think it's the most impressive Chelsea performance I've ever seen. It was a really great day. Uh, personally, for me, that day was really cool because I actually ghostwrote Jonas Idevel's programme notes. <laughs> um, Amazing. <laughs> maybe was un- maybe was unlucky uh, for Jonas. So sorry, Jonas, about that. Um but yeah, so I guess like professionally for me, it was already a really cool day. And then to see Chelsea win like that was was just incredible. Um, so I feel like that is the one. Obviously, when we win the Champions League in June, that will then be my answer then. Sorry, I don't know. I just gave like five trophies. Uh, unfortunately, Chelsea have won a million. So there should be some others for you to pick out there. It's fair. It's fair. I think, I think just from the <laughs> virtue of the fact that it's it's one I can I can I can semi remember, but it was also intense. Was when Chelsea won the WSL last season and having to beat Manchester United four two on the last day, and then they were you know one nil two nil down, and having to come back, and that season was was pretty intense. And and I think it was just a testament to the team for just the consistency in being able to win another title again. And it was just like to be able to, and there were so many clutch moments that season, like the Birmingham 1-0, I'll never forget. Like, that's a game that I will, I will probably, like, keep going back to in terms of clutch Chelsea moments. Penelope Harder, ice-cold penalty in, like, the 76th minute or something like that. And before that, it was just going to be like, oh, are we going to are we gonna lose this to, to, to Birmingham? And and then, you know, Penelope Harder brings out, and then on the last day, United come in, they're, they're 1-0 up becomes intense and then winning it four two at the end. Oh, that was I think that was that was intense. So I'll, I'll take that WSL title as as a favorite and then um yeah I'm waiting for a Champions League win so I can add that to the list. <laughs> when Chelsea men won the Champions League for the first time, that was probably one of the greatest days of my life. Um Same. and I love the Chelsea men's team, but I 
undeniably love Chelsea women more. So I can't even imagine how good it will feel when it happens. When it happens. All right, let's take a quick ad break here. We'll come back and we'll do some more of your questions after this. Okay. Wow. I love this for myself is that I just put the um, exact same question at the top of this next section. Uh, (laughs) So we won't answer the same question again. Uh, just sorry, just lifting behind the curtain there. Um, I'll I'll just go with the next one and we'll rejig all the way through. All right, Abdullah. This one is from Ishan. At Ishan 04 Shah. If Leon sign Penilla Harder, brackets 30, on a free, and Chelsea sign Kat Macario, brackets 23, on a free, who gets the better deal? I've got to say, Ishan, you have done some hella leading question, I think, yeah. with the, the ages in the brackets there. Um... But Abdullah, take it away. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like you've both like double teamed it, where he's asked the question with the brackets, with the ages and everything there, and you've asked me the question, all things considered. But you know what? <laughs> Fair enough. I'll answer it. I think it's pretty obvious that Chelsea get the better deal. You get a younger Kat Macario who's entering not even her prime yet, but she's going to enter her prime, and she's going to get better and better and better and better. And even if Penilla Harder initially might be a more impactful player not that Kat Macario isn't she already shown she's 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 got a lot of impact um it's just that hard I could probably do it for another couple of seasons you get Macario for like at least six seven years doing it at the highest level so yeah I think you've got to say Kat Macario if that happens then yeah Kat Macario yeah I mean obviously I I feel like Kat Macario on a free just by virtue of being seven years younger would be the better deal. Um, although maybe there, maybe there's a, I don't know. I was going to try and play a devil's advocate argument and say like Panila's been there, done that experience, blah, blah. But honestly, like Kat's so good. I think it's easy to forget because she's been out for the year that like the level she reached, um, especially during that Champions League run for Leon last season, you know, lots of people spoke about Hegerberg and her kind of coming back to show that she was still top of the table but for me Kat was kind of the real standout player in that Leon team uh, in that run um so I, I mean yeah obviously there were like stories that have come out today which is that Barcelona have made well last summer made offers for for Hegerberg and I think are keen to potentially revisit that although I think they need players to leave if that is going to happen it would be very interesting. I do wonder if Hegerberg leaves Leon, whether Kat would be more interested in staying in terms of getting to be, getting to kind of be the face of that team rather than maybe coming to a Chelsea where, you know, she's playing second fiddle to Sam Kerr. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you approach that when when you're that kind of age, depending on what you're looking for. But it's very hard to look past, I think, Kat Macario as being like the ideal like the ideal and realistic Chelsea signing this summer in terms of there's a spot as a 10 freeing up for harder cat can play as a nine and we need someone who's going to share nine minutes with Sam um so yeah I would swap out Penela for for cat all day long (laughs) is uh is the realistic answer but um I don't know if it's gonna quite work like that yeah I don't think so (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. So Michael Dorothy at Michael Dorothy one says, hi guys, given how brilliant Sam is at, t- at the timing her runs, uh, many of which are flagged offside simply because the naked eye can't keep up with her movement. How many goals would she score if VAR was in place? 
tough one because I think as much as she does get flagged offside wrongly a lot, I think sometimes she gets flagged onside wrongly. Not well, not flagged, obviously. <laughs> I think she gets decided onside wrongly. It is something I think about a lot. You know, I do feel obviously Chelsea's game plan often is, is stretch defences um, with players who are going to run in behind quickly. It's Sam's entire game. Look, we saw her do it against England like last night. We'll talk more about that uh, later in the week. But I don't know how much it would change things. I feel like that you probably would get more goals, but maybe you would have more taken away. But that said, I don't think I don't think she gets away with that many. It's very hard also as well because obviously without VAR, everyone gets flagged off immediately. So you don't really get a sense of whether players would score those chances. So like Man City game is a great example, right? Sam Kerr was onside when she's has that ball played in behind um, at 1-0. She's flagged offside and we therefore don't know if she ever scores that goal because she's not always great at like those situations 1v1. So maybe she doesn't score and then it doesn't even matter whether she was onside or offside. But because we don't know, we're like, oh yeah, Sam Kerr would have scored there. So... I'm going to say she would probably score a similar number of goals, but it would be it would be interesting. I guess maybe we'll get a mini experiment at the the World Cup, you know. And and in the Champions League. Like VAR is in like enough competitions now that we we do see that, you know, and she probably gets flagged offside about feels like about the same amount of times. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think eventually just I think it it all evens out. I think you may get a couple of goals more um from sam if 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 var was was available but then like you said like the amount of times that we've seen sam offside and not get called i think it just at the end of the day i think you're just going to even out and then score the same number of goals which i think which i think is fair i mean which i think is fair it's fine i mean it's she's but then that's the nature of her role and the way she is as a striker if you're going to make that many runs in behind you're inevitably going to be flagged offside a number of times and and onside a number of times and obviously by being that you get better at doing it, but at the same time, it's just going to be there. So I, I agree. I think I think it's going to be, I think it'd be practically 52, 48 sort of type situation. So, yeah. There's also, I think, an element of whereby because there isn't VAR, it benefits her because it freaks defenders out even more because I don't know if you can lean into the high line thing as much. You know, there was a lot of talk about Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, right, of the reason why Klopp felt that maybe Klopp was playing an even higher line in the past was because he was like, oh, like people will know if a player's offside because of VAR. So we can take that risk because we know we're playing them offside. Whereas I wonder if in the WSL, for example, maybe players have to drop a bit more or worry more about it because there's no guarantee that a player will be onside. Like or a player will be flagged whether they are on or offside. Um, so sometimes I wonder if it, if it works to her advantage, but... Yeah, I think the nature of the way she plays is that she's always going to be making those runs and some of them are going to be off, some of them are going to be on. And actually, I was thinking about it last night watching England. This is a bit of a um, going off on a tangent, but I don't know. I'm sure people who listen to this are interested in England as well. Um, but that watching Alessia Russo, like how different she was compared to Ellen White. And Ellen White is a player who I... Probably the player only after Sam Kerr who annoys me more about like when she does stray offside because... Both of them do it a lot. Um, obviously, Ellen's retired now. But you, I think you see with England how much 
that Ellen White's runs benefited England's attack and freaked out opposition defences, even if she was getting called offside a lot, because it's just something else you've got to think about. And Alessia Russo doesn't really do that. So that's why I think England don't look as good. Um, but yeah, so I feel like Sam Kerr would carry on running offside and onside, and she would still freak everyone out, even if there was VAR in place the entire time. All right, next question from Dieter van Gooch at Dieter Gooch. Uh, two questions here. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Abdullah. Quite different questions. Um, will Chelsea women win the double, brackets, league and Champions League? Uh, and then, who will win the Women's World Cup? This follows on quite nicely from me just randomly talking about England for a bit. Who will win the Women's World Cup and why? Okay, so I'm going to ask the first question. First, will Chelsea win the double league plus Champions League? I think... If they can beat Barcelona, they, 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 there's, yeah, they win the Champions League. No, no, I don't think, because I don't think the other side of the bracket, I don't think anybody's playing as well as this side of the bracket. I'm not saying, I mean, Chelsea have been partially lucky in the Champions League quarterfinal. They have been getting away with a few wins in the WSL, but when it comes to these clutch games, they are getting through and it's knockout competition. Anything can happen. So I'm not even ruling it out. Um, but I think if they can beat, Barcelona then you pretty much have the confidence to go into it and then you practically can say all right Wolfsburg weren't amazing against PSG PSG could have easily won that game um and so if they were to get through to the final then you know you're looking at you're looking at a Chelsea maybe Wolfsburg final and I would favor Chelsea over Wolfsburg in that tie um right now I'm going to say maybe more the league than the Champions League but it's a very there's a very high possibility that they can do it. It just, it's just, it's just a matter down to whether how good they perform against Barcelona. If they can beat Barcelona, I think they can win the Champions League quite easily. Who will win the Women's World Cup and why? Well, I have a vested interest in this answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, no, but if I if I'm realistic about it, I actually think um, I think England have a really good chance. I think obviously they won the Euros. Um, and I think they have a set. I think they have a good system in place, and I think they they have a coach now who, I think, in, in Serena Vigman is someone who's adaptable. And I think the England squads is, is as good as it's been for a long, long time. And I mean, to, to bring it back to Chelsea for a second, Frank Kirby's still not hundred percent there. And imagine you had a fit Frank Kirby back into that England squad in the mix of all the players. Russo has just been like. Um, a godsend in terms of replacing Ellen White and being able to slot in immediately. Ella Toon's grown from strength to strength. Um, and then at centre-back, you just have options. Um, so, and in midfield, you know, it's just getting better and better. So I really feel like there's a good mix of like young players and there's a good mix of experienced heads. And I think they can, they can do, I think, I think the closest teams are run them close to their money is going to be Germany again. And if France can get themselves together under Renard now, then maybe France come back into it. But I mean, to be fair, they've timed it semi-okay in terms of bringing in Hervé Renard now, not like three days before the tournament start, which would have been typical France. Um, but, you know, I would say those two are probably going to give them the closest run. Spain, I'm not going to say anything because we have no clue who's going to be there. We don't even know whether Lexi's going to be there, Aitana, Maria. we don't know. It could be like a, the weak squad. It could be a strong squad. I don't know. So assuming they're not going to be the, 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 the top players aren't going to be there. So I'm going to say Germany and France, but realistic, I really can see England winning this and and and, and retaining the double, and and then it just does wonders for me as well. So I would love England to win it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll follow on for you on the World Cup first. I, mm, 
I think England have a really good shot. I think we know Wigman's a very good tournament manager. The only thing I worry about is England have lost a lot of experience through injury and retirement from the team that did win the Euros. And I don't know if everyone's had the chance kind of to gel in. Obviously, normal be- normally between the Euros and a World Cup, you'd have two years. And I feel like actually the year is really not benefiting England. I've already spoken about the Ellen White-Alessia-Russo thing. I just don't think Russo is there in terms of being a truly elite number nine. If you want to read about it, I wrote about it literally today because I was comparing her to Sam Kerr. And, you know, you just saw in the Australia-England game how much of a difference a player like Kerr makes over Russo. This isn't to say Russo can't become that player. Like, I think she's got all the ability to do it, but she's not there yet. And all of England's front four, assuming Frank Herbie maybe doesn't make it, assuming Beth Mead doesn't make it, which I don't think she will, are going to be 25 and under, which is pretty crazy, really, in terms of, like, when you compare them to some of the other, like, real favourites. Um, but that being said, you know, I do think Serena, in terms of individual uh, matchups at tournaments, has has shown she's very, very good are doing it, uh, are doing well, and with the quality England have, you, you wouldn't write them off. I do think, you know, the return of Frank Kirby could be really crucial, and seeing how players like Walsh, players like Stanway, maybe rejuvenate themselves, because I think, again, it's very hard to judge in an April international break what those players look like when they're exhausted. I think you could see that Stanway especially was just nowhere near the level we've seen her hit at points this season for Bayern Munich, and that's entirely understandable given the crazy run of games she had in March. Um, Germany, who knows about Germany, because they're always so weird before tournaments, they pull it out in tournaments, I don't think Vostekelberg knows what her best team is. Like, I always find her a bit weird, just generally. So, but again, they have more than enough talented players. They have that experience angle in, like, Pop, Huth. Um, I don't think England have in attack in the same way. So that potential England-Germany quarterfinal, I think, could provide a winner. Never write off the USA, even though I really don't like their team particularly right now. But again, like, they're the USA. Um, I could very much see them making the final at the very least. And I, I agree with you. Uh, Renard at France could be really interesting. Um, again, I don't know, like, if Katoto isn't back, whether they're going to have the firepower, even if Diani has kind of looked good. Like, if she was to play as a nine or if they were to go with someone else. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel like, obviously, like, Le Sommer's back in the team, but, like, we saw Le Sommer against Chelsea and, like, that didn't feel like a World Cup winning number nine still. Wendy Renard is still a player who, again, she was great against Chelsea, but I don't think, like, necessarily consistently puts in performances like that. Spain are Spain, and I hope they don't... I don't even want to mention them because I hope they do badly because I hate them. Uh, not. I love the Spanish players. I hate Jorge Vilda. I hate the Federation. <laughs> um, who else might be good? I... Australia, man. David. I watched England win. I watched England win a home Euros, and I've seen what that can do for a team. Um, England are, I think, have a greater talent pool than Australia. But Caitlin Ford has had the best season of her career. Sam Kerr is Sam Kerr. Um, I think Mackenzie Arnold's been in really good form. In Tyra Cooney Cross and Mary Fowler, you've got two incredibly talented midfielders, albeit young midfielders, and I think Tony Gustafson's a really good coach. So it's going to be really exciting. Sorry, that was a really long answer. No, that's fine. Um, there's lots of teams to get through. It's a very big World Cup. In terms of will Chelsea win the double league and Champions League, 
I'm sorry to be a bummer, but I just do not see us beating Barcelona, so I don't think we'll win the Champions League. I would love for it to happen. If it happens, I will feel so happy. But I am engaging rational brain to make myself feel better, and I just don't see it happening. I do think, though, that we will win the league. I actually feel kind of good about that. I just think this is where I will just get, like, burnt and will somehow win the Champions League and lose the league. If that happens, I, if that happens to the gods who are listening to Blue Royalty that I know listen to, like, make fun of me, I will be more than happy uh, if you go that way around. But, um, yeah, I feel like league-wise, when you look at our run of games um, compared to the other teams, I just think we're in a much stronger position than everyone else and I think kind of the mentality monster thing which I know sometimes people think isn't true but I do think that experience will kick in for the team and I think that'll make a really big difference oh that's fair that's totally fair um so question from cfc underscore trim so three questions wow we a lot of people with the double triple questions here in the single tweet which is good um how do you think CFCW needs to play slash tactics to beat Barcelona? Question one. Question two. If we beat Barcelona, do you think we're the favorites to win the Champions League? And three, your favorite ever CFCW moment, which I think you've answered all three in some capacity across this pod, but you want to summarize? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. If we beat Barcelona, do you think we're the favorites to win the Champions League? I would fancy us. I think you kind of said this already yeah. earlier, but I, you would have to fancy us against Wolfsburg or Arsenal. If it's Arsenal, I will feel, like, ill, both in terms of the idea of losing to Champions League finals at Arsenal. That might be the moment where, like, you would just never see me again. You, like, you would just have these podcasts and, like, you would remember that there was this person called Jesse who once spoke about Chelsea, but, like, you'd never, ever see me once again. Once um, <laughs> At the start of the season, guys, at the start of the season, I don't know if you all remember, but I said... I don't know if I said it publicly. I think I said it publicly. I said it to my friends, if not publicly, that... I would like us to beat Lyon, then to beat Barcelona at the Camp Nou, and then to beat Wolfsburg in the final to like Ooh. avenge every, every Champions demon, yeah. League ghost we've <laughs> ever had. Hey, it's still possible. So I do think if we beat Barcelona, we're favourites to win. Yes. Um, also because I think everyone would be like, what the fuck? Like, what magic did Emma Hayes do? Because I feel like <laughs> if we're beating Barcelona, like, some strange things are going to go on yeah. in that game. Um, how do you think Chelsea needs to play tactics? That, I think... I mean, obviously, we'll, we're going to do a big episode on that. Um, in short, I think you've just got to go at them. I think you've got to press high. I think you've got to really focus on getting your wingers in the spaces that Lucy Bronze and Fridolina Rolfo leave you've got to force Mappy Leon to take a step back um so she's not becoming that extra body in midfield um adding to the build up there and then you have to try and defend against Aitana and Patry some of those things I think are easier and more feasible than others um <laughs> I'll skip I'll skip my favorite ever Chelsea women's moment I think I've kind of answered that yeah no, I know I think three uh, I'll, I'll skip because I, I think we've, we've mentioned it with the games and everything I think Two, I've answered saying I think yes, I think we are favourites to win if if we if we beat Barcelona because arguably we'll have had the the harder route to the final than Arsenal, and so having having to overcome two two previous holders of the tournament and you know and to, to come to the final and try and win it on your own second time coming, I think is 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 just too good to be to, for them to let go, and I think how do we need to play? Like you said, we we need to we'll we'll do an episode on that, but I think. Um, I, th I think there's just 
it's 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 down to stopping that midfield and, and like you said stopping Mappe Leon from from really being able to to step into midfield and, and almost make Barcelona defend more than they actually do and make them commit to tackles and I think if you can do that you, you you're pinning Barcelona back and then you're testing Aitana Patria and maybe Claudia Pina if you're playing her in midfield as uh, you know in a defensive capacity which I think Chelsea have the firepower to do um, but yeah, I think it really comes down to that midfield and, and how they can control Patria and Aitana uh, over there. But yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's it'll be it'll be a super interesting tactical battle. Yeah, definitely, it'll be really really interesting and scary. Um, okay, <laughs> let's finish off with three from Rob at RJP Journalism. Number one, I really should have prepped for this. Um, most underrated Chelsea women's goal this season and why? I.e., a great goal that got a little hype. Um, Number two, favourite Chelsea women meme moment. And number three, which member of the squad, in your opinion, would get lost quickest in Ikea? Oh, God. Okay, I might have to do this in, like, reverse order. Um, but by reverse order, I mean I'm going to go with the favourite CFCW meme moment. Um, maybe this might not be an official meme, but I loved your Pikachu comment on Guru Raiden. I think for me, that's just the best. I love it. <laughs> I can't it. take credit for that. That was I know, my girlfriend. I know it's your girlfriend. So we have to enough. give Zan credit for that All right. one. <laughs> she gets the credit for that. But I mean, you brought it to light for us. I think you are the conduit to bring True. it together. That's my favorite. I love, I can't, I can't unsee Guru as Pikachu <laughs> now. Like for me, just I see Guru and I see a yellow mouse running around with electricity from her cheeks. <laughs> and just going there (laughs) oh god i think that's 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 probably my favorite um which member of the squad in your opinion would get lost quickest in ikea oh my god this is a it's a tough one i'm gonna say oh my god who would it be i think you know what weirdly enough i think it'll be one of the older players i think like someone like marin or, or someone like that would be just so enthralled in the intricacies of ikea of wanting to buy the stuff and just kind of losing herself in the aisles i mean someone like aaron cuthbert might just like running around and just energy and going through the warehouses and trying to knock stuff over that's what that's what i think and the younger players wouldn't care they'd just be running around i don't know why i'm comparing them to children in ikea but anyway that's not (laughs) what i meant to say it's like ran me the mum, and then all the kids are running around getting lost in ikea so maybe it is the other way around all the young players would just get lost in ikea but uh i think with the virtue of being obsessed with the stuff in ikea and wanting to look at every single thing and just get lost i think marin would find herself starting off in the like the the plate section and ending up in like the plant section and suddenly going what time is it where am i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what i would say um most underrated se- now i can't remember a single goal from the season for what I-, <laughs> I know this is what happens to me i've just used your you do answering it to go and have a look you can use me i'll answer these bits and you can have a thing right. because it is hard when you're talking please go so ahead i will answer these questions and we'll come back to you so finish the whole thing off with your most underrated chelsea women's goal of the season i'm gonna go for it's very hard to say um how how much hype is like i don't know enough hype for me the one that i feel like i thought was really impressive which i got hype at the time but i don't know if now people would remember it in the same way is the neve charles one against everton um where she basically just ran through their whole defense herself like controlled the ball scored right at the end to create a 3-1 win obviously my favorite scoreline of the season as everyone knows i think at the time everyone was like wow this was a great goal but come the end of the season i don't know if it's one that people will pick out because obviously we were already winning 
Um, Neve Charles has this strange habit of only scoring Wonder Girls, um, but I think it was a timely reminder of her, you know, her actual like talent and ability, which maybe gets lost in some of the the comments around. I don't know how good she is, whether she's just like hardworking, blah blah blah. That was like a great little spark of OG Neve. Um, my favorite CFCW meme at the moment. I do love. This is also a guru one for me. I love gu- guru posing in the team photos. It just makes me laugh so much. How is she always the first one there? How does she always hold the exact same position? She does it for Norway as well. Like <laughs> it's just like she she's like a statue. She always looks so happy. Um, yeah, I could like watch that. You know, like guru on one knee, like with her little smile on, like photoshopped on every wonder of the world that because it just made it always i've never cared about a team photo like <laughs> before but now i always want to go and look just to see her there and see how different she looks to everyone else who's like normally way more serious um so that's my meme moment and which member of the squad in my opinion will get lost quickest in ikea <sighs> i'm not sure this is a tricky one um I, who would get lost quickest? I don't know. I kind of want to say Neve for that one as well, just because she seems like she could just go on a little, a little walk somewhere. There's lots of like mum figures, I think, in the squad. So yeah. I feel like they wouldn't get like, you know, you said Maren. I'm like, no, Maren would turn up to Ikea with like a map. She'd have her route planned out. She'd know exactly where she was going. I feel like Magza and Panila, they would be the same. And Katrin Berger, I think she would be the same. With Jess Carter too. Sophie Ingle would have a map. Jessie Fleming would have a map. Um, Melly Loipos is an actual mum, so she would definitely have a map. I don't know. I just think we've got a very competent team. Um... Maybe Erin. If you were going to ask me who was going to break something in Ikea, it would be Erin Cuthbert. That's, and yes. I feel like that's... Yeah. <laughs> she'd get lost and then break something. And then so, hide. <laughs> yeah, Erin and Neve, they're my two that I'm picking out as, like, I'd be... I'd need to assign them to one of the mums of the team to help them go around. Yeah, which is which is where that analogy of, like, I think Marin would just be, like, taking care of all the kids and the kids would be running around, like, the warehouse and then Aaron would just be like, I'm just going to go over here and I'm just going to just... You know what? I can see Aaron being the, being the one that's going to look at the piece of... You know, going to look at the glass and go, I dare you to tell me to push it off the... Sh- I dare you to tell me I'll, I'll break this glass. And then she would just do it. And then she would um, she would possibly just, like, run away. But, uh, I, 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 I think Aaron would just get lost and then just break something and eventually go, oh no, I've broken this thing. I need to hide or I need to get out of Ikea and then you get lost <laughs> to find the exit. So I can definitely see that happening. Oh <laughs> uh, God. So I think, yeah, that would, that would be it. And okay. I, I think I found my goal, um, in, in this, in this time. So I appreciate the time. I think for me, I don't remember how much hype there was, but Aaron Cuthbert's goal, Cuthbert's goal against Spurs at Stamford Bridge, the volley off the edge of the box, that was, I just, I saw it again, I went, that was a beautiful goal. I don't even know how many people remember that, but I'm looking at it and I went, yeah, that's, that's got to be one that's, that's, that's up there for the season. That was such a good strike. Like, it was just perfectly lined up, perfectly hit, and then top in. So yeah, I think Aaron Cuthbert against Spurs at Stamford Bridge. 
Yeah, that's a very legit shout. I was, uh, I had a really good view of that goal. I think maybe part of the reason why it got less hype was because Spurs are so shit at like closing anyone down. This like it's always harsh on Erin because you're like she still had to do that finish and it's yeah. an amazing finish, but you're like, why is no one like why is none of these defenders think that's what Aaron Cuthbert's gonna do? But no, that that is it was a very very good goal. I will agree with you on that one. Yeah. All right. That basically wraps us up on questions. So thank you, everyone, for sending them in. That was really fun. I think we could definitely continue with a series of Chelsea players getting lost in X. Maybe we'll do Chelsea players getting lost in the supermarket for our next uh, <laughs> our next mailbag. I think we like that one. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of things coming up. Uh, so we'll be back in your ears quite regularly. Obviously, it is crunch time uh at this point in the season so you know there's no more international breaks we are going all the way through until the bitter bitter end so we are kicking off on sunday back at the poundland bescott stadium the most famous stadium <laughs> in the uk still can't get over that <laughs> Which CFC women's player would get lost in Poundland? Um, uh, yeah, so we are playing Aston Villa again. Obviously, we won 3-0 there before the international break, so more of the same. Abdullah and I will do a little preview of that for you um, because it is a semi-final and it's actually very exciting. Um, and then, obviously, no, we're not like Arsenal. We don't get a whole week to prepare for our Champions League game because we beat them, so they're not in the FA Cup. Uh, we are playing Barcelona at Stamford Bridge. Saturday, 22nd of April, 12.30, before we head to Spain for the Thursday 5.45 kickoff on the second leg there. Um, Leicester City games, West Ham games, both been postponed as a result. Don't know where they're going to go, but the game against Liverpool, the famous ice rink match of 2023, has been rescheduled for the 3rd of May. Hopefully, English weather will be warm enough by that point that... Um, it won't be an ice rink this time round. Uh, so that will be our next league fixture. All right, Abdullah, I think that pretty much wraps us up for today. That was good. All right. Okay, well, we will be back to chat to you about Villa. We'll do an international break roundup as usual. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate it. Obviously, did a little joke about the 50 episodes, not really being 50 episodes, but um, it's been a bit of a shift for us moving on to this new channel, and we really, really appreciate everyone who... Um, talks about the show writes in with questions who tells us what they think who listens um thank you so much and hopefully we will finish off this rest of the season with a bang um but until then chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high <laughs>